good morning. Hallelujah. Great to be here. Praise God. Isn't it awesome? The Christmas season. So I just want to say Merry Christmas to each and every one. And you may be seated. Today, as I was uh, thinking about what to share, I ran this by a couple of my blonde friends. And as you can tell, I'm blonde most of the time. Who knows? But anyway, so no one take offense at this, but I want to start out with a blonde joke today. There were these two blondes who went deep into the frozen woods searching for the perfect Christmas tree. After hours of sub-zero temperatures and a few close calls with some hungry wolves, one blonde turned to the other and said, That's it! I'm chopping down the next tree I see. I don't care if it's decorated or not. (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) Anyway. Everybody's nice and awake. That's good. Especially after the Candy Cane Lane song and that joke. We are awake. Amen. And ready to receive the word of God. I've got a title today. The Lord's just been, this just came up in my spirit a couple of weeks ago, really. What child is this? So we are going to talk about the child, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when a baby is born into this world, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, maybe an an aunt or an uncle, it's so exciting when that new little baby enters this earth. And when you hear that a baby's been born lots of times, the first question that we ask is, who do they look like? What color of hair do they have? What color of eyes do they have? We make a big deal about their appearance. I remember when uh, both of our boys were born, particularly when John, our oldest son, was born. He came out and nobody had to say, who does he look like or who's his daddy? It was apparent. That baby was stamped. By his father. I remember even looking at him and, you know, some babies have these pudgy little baby face, little cheeks. John had like this almost little man face. He looked exactly like a miniature Pastor Mark. So nobody in the hospital or any of the relatives, when we started sending pictures, were saying, who's his daddy? Everybody knew. When Jesus was born in this earth, he was stamped. By his father. He had the characteristics of the father God from the time that he was born into this earth. The Bible tells us over in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And we'll be looking at most of these scriptures today out of the New King James Version. They'll have them up on the screen. For unto us a child is born. Unto us. A son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called. Say these words with me. His name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. This child who will be born was not going to be an ordinary baby. He was the son of God. He was royalty. He was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords.
swords. And the Bible tells us that the government would be upon his shoulders. He was going to rule and he was going to reign spiritually, not a natural king, but a spiritual king of a kingdom that is not of this world. When you and I become born again, we become citizens of heaven. That's the kingdom that our king is king of. Hallelujah. And you and I are members of that heavenly kingdom. His name shall be called. I love it. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. One translation says a prince of peace, the prince of wholeness. When Jesus came into this earth to bring salvation, to redeem mankind from the curse of the law, to redeem us from sin and death, he brought wholeness. One word for peace is shalom, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. He's the prince of nothing missing, nothing broken. He's the prince of restoration. He's the one that takes lives that have been broken through sin, lives that have been broken and hurt, and he puts them back together. He's the one who can take a life that has been tormented and so much difficulty, so many problems, a mind that mentally has just been overwhelmed and bring peace. Do you remember in the New Testament when Jesus and his disciples, they were heading to the other side in a ship and a great storm arose and the disciples were fearful. They didn't know what to do. They woke Jesus up. Don't you care that we perish? And his response is, why don't you have any faith? He stood up and he said, peace be still. If the winds and the waves of a hurricane-like storm will obey the master, the storms of your life must submit to his lordship as well. If we will declare peace, be still, not from any other source, not from government, but from the king of kings, from the prince of peace who has given us that authority. Now, when this son of God was born and made his glorious entrance into the earth, there were not very many people that were aware of what had just happened. But it is significant. The two groups that the Bible records for us that knew when he was born represent who Jesus came to save. We'll find the account over in Luke chapter 2. And we want to read beginning in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And then say this part with me. Which will be to all people. Now let's continue reading in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay. (laughs) I didn't look this up. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Next. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, let's read this together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. We just read in Isaiah what was one of his names, the Prince of Peace. And then the angel Gabriel emphasizes again to the shepherds, his name, he's going to bring peace to whosoever will, because he is the Lord born for the entire mankind. And aren't you glad that the Bible says it was good tidings of great joy. The gospel is good news. There's not a lot of good news out there in the world right now, but you and I have a wonderful Bible that is full of good news. We have Jesus on the inside of us that will bring joy unspeakable and full of glory, good tidings of great joy. We've received that when we accept him, but there's millions of people in the world that don't don't know that he came to give good tidings and great joy. And there's something that stood out to me here. Also in verse 10, it, he said, do not be afraid. Fear brings torment. And fear can be like a tangible spirit that gets a hold of people's lives. Pastor said it today. We are not to be full of fear. We go ahead and we live our lives in faith. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 verse 18. Y'all might not have that up there ready and I'll quote it. There is no fear in love. But perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Unto us a son is born. And the angel said, be not afraid. If you receive This love gift from God. Fear will be cast out of your life. Perfect love. Cast fear out of our lives. Doesn't the Bible say God is love? 
How about the wonderful scripture in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but what? Have everlasting life. The son of God was a love gift to humanity. He was the very best that heaven had to offer. And he's saying to us today, if you will receive the love of God in action, which is him giving his only begotten son, no fear here. Why? Because when you know God loves me, God gave me his only begotten son. That's love beyond our comprehension. But when we know that he loves us that much, why should we be afraid if our father loves us that much? Isn't he going to take care of us? Isn't he going to protect us? Perfect love cast fear out of our lives. This message of good tidings and great joy was first announced to the shepherds. We just read it there. In the country, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks. It was significant that the angel Gabriel showed up to this group of shepherds. If you'll study this out, history tells us that this group of shepherds, the flock that they were in charge of and watching over was the flock of precious little lambs that would be used in the sacrifice in the temple. They were watching these lambs that were to be brought into the temple to be sacrificed to cover the sins of the people. And behold, the angel came and was said to them, now the lamb of God is going to be born. He's coming into the earth and he's not just going to cover sin. He's going to take it away. They were literally told you're going to be without a job. You're not going to have to sacrifice little animals and their precious blood anymore because the lamb of God is coming into the earth and he's going to take away the sins. He's going to shed his precious, spotless, sinless blood for you that you may have eternal life. What better group to receive that announcement, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the precious Lamb has come into the earth. And then we know the other group that were told that recognized his glorious entrance were the wise men. Let's look at this account over in Matthew chapter 2. We'll just read a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says here, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Notice it said when he was born, they saw the star in the east. That means they began their journey. Now, I'm not here to tell anybody, take your wise men out of the manger scene. I heard some preacher years ago saying they weren't there. So get, get him out. And I'm thinking, what? You want me to put him in the kitchen, in the garage? They were on the way. I mean, you know. You don't have to get, you know, that dogmatic about it. But literally, they weren't there yet because we'll see later on that they came when Jesus was a small child. But we're not going to center in on that. We're going to center in on the fact they came from afar and they saw the the star in the east and they came. Now, many of you know that I grew up in, in Oklahoma, and I like to talk about when, this is how we say fire in the South. We say far, filled with the Holy Ghost and far, far, far. So this story will make sense to you. A little second grade teacher was telling the children the Christmas story. And then she said, now I want you to draw what I've just said. So they're all drawing different things. And this one little boy, he drew a wonderful rendition of the manger scene. He had all the characters there. He had baby Jesus, but setting off to the side was a fire truck. So the teacher was a little bit bewildered. And she said, you know, Johnny, this is a great picture, but why do you have a fire truck here? And he said, well, teacher, you said the wise men came from afar. So he thought they arrived in a fire truck. Little humor there. Most scholars agree that they did probably come from Babylon, which is ancient Iraq, and that the journey would have taken them several months. But the wonderful news is they came and it is prophetic to us that they saw this star and they recognized that a king had been born. These men were not Jewish people like the shepherds were. So God in showing them that Jesus had born was ratifying once again what he, the Gabriel said to the shepherds. He's a savior for all people. The shepherds were little lowly men. The wise men were most likely very wealthy, rich men, and they weren't Jewish. So what does that say? This gospel, this good news is for everyone from every nation, from every social status. It doesn't matter whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love the fact that the Bible calls them wise men. They were wise because they came to worship him. They put their lives on hold, most likely for months to come and to find this king. And when they came, they didn't come empty handed. The Bible goes on and tells us here in Matthew chapter two. Let's see here down a little bit further in verse 11. 
And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When I was a kid, I had trouble saying those names. And I heard recently a little story about a little boy that was having trouble saying those names too, but he was excited. He said, mommy, these guys, they came from really far and they brought Jesus their very best gifts. They brought him gold, Frankensteins and Smurfs. (laughs) He thought that was great. The best thing they could possibly have brought. The point is this. We celebrate the fact that they came. And when they came, they worshiped him. They bowed down before him and they presented to him their very best. That's all that Jesus wants from us today. He wants us to see the light. They saw the light. They saw a star shining bright and they came to the light. Oh, there's so many people that are sitting in darkness. But the Bible says those that have sit, that are sitting in darkness have seen a great light. How many of you have seen the light of the glorious gospel? How many of you once walked in darkness? The Bible says that we were in the kingdom of darkness, but now we've been translated over into the kingdom of light. These wise men saw the light and they were changed. They changed their whole life and their whole agenda to get to the light. You and I have been received the light of the glorious gospel. And once we're born again, it ought to be from our heart that we bow down and we worship him, him alone who is worthy. He is majestic. He is to be adored. He is to be reverenced. He is to be magnified and he is to receive our best. The Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you come to the house of God and their songs are being sung and their anointed songs that we sing here. Don't just stand there like, oh, when are they ever going to be done? It's an opportunity to raise your hands, to lift up your voice and to crown him king of kings and Lord of Lords and to let your words offer praise and worship unto him. Yes, we do that when we come together, but we ought to be doing that every day of our life. All that is within me will magnify you. Oh, Lord, I will worship you. I will adore you. I will give you my best. I'll give you my best, my best praise. I'll give you my best service. I'll give you my best offering. Amen. So these wise men, they brought gold, 
frankincense and myrrh, gold frankensteins and smurfs, however you want to say it. I love to see the Christmas story through the eyes of a child. I used to, when I'd preach on Christmas, I'd tell stories about when I was a kid. Then we had kids, told stories about when they were a kid. And now we have a granddaughter, so I tell stories about when her. So uh, <clears throat> John and Lindy and our granddaughter Olivia, they were at our house for Thanksgiving. And the day after Thanksgiving, they're getting ready to leave. So um, I said, okay, I'm going to get out some Christmas stuff. I'm going to have Livy help me. So we're taking out the manger scene, you know, with the wise men, all of them, putting them all out there. And uh, I said, you know, Livy, there's a song about Jesus being born, the Son of God being born. So I was teaching her away in the manger, putting out the little animals, putting out the little bed of hay. And then I said, Livy, Jesus didn't have a nice soft little bed when he was born. He had to sleep on a bed of hay. Her big brown eyes got bigger. <gasps> he slept on hay? Said yes. That's how he came into the world. And in her little three-year-old innocence, she picks up the little baby Jesus and just stared at it and said, Baby Jesus, don't be sad. We'll go to Disneyland. <laughs> The happiest place on earth. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cute. And uh, so then they, ha- they had to leave. So they left. And a couple of days later, John lets me know, Livy, sometimes at night, you know, as kids do, she might have a dream. She kind of scares her. She gets up and wants to go get in their bed. So they've been teaching her. Now, Livy, you do not have to be afraid at night. If you wake up, just remember this. God is with you. So a couple of nights later, after Grammy tells her away in the manger song, she wakes up. She comes in and Lindy's saying to her, now, honey, remember, you don't have to be afraid. God is with you. She said, yeah, but now God's a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like, what good is he going to do to you now? He's just a little bitty baby on a bed of hay. He's not going to help me. So immediately, saw the humor in that. And John's like, Mom, she's kind of confused. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't have time to tell her the whole salvation message. <laughs> but, but it kind of struck me that that is still how many people see Jesus. All around the world, people celebrate Christmas. All around the world, people that aren't even born again celebrate Christmas. And they see a little manger scene, oh, sweet little baby Jesus in the manger. But that's where their uh, relationship ends. Little baby Jesus in the manger. And they're really probably, they don't say it maybe, but they're probably thinking just like Livy. Well, he's a baby. How can he possibly help me with my problems? He's just a little baby in a manger. There's no way he can make a difference in my life. How many people still see Jesus? As a little baby in the manger. Got a question for you today. What child is this? Who 
is Jesus to you. I believe the Holy Spirit is asking many today the same question that Jesus asked Simon Barjona, Peter, many years ago. Over in Matthew chapter 16. Let's turn there. Matthew Matthew chapter 16. And we'll begin reading at verse 13. Who do you say that he is? Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, let's read this. You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Jesus was pleased with that answer. And he answered and he said to him. Blessed are you Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven. If you were to ask people around the world today. Who do you say? That Jesus is. You get all sorts of explanations and answers. Some would say, oh, he was a prophet. Others would say, he was a good teacher. He was a philosopher. He was a nice guy. He was real important in his day. But you know what? Men's opinions don't matter. That's not who Jesus was. Certainly He is a prophet. Certainly he was a great teacher. But that's not the answer that will change your life. The reason that Jesus was so pleased with Peter's answer when he said, You are the son of the living God. Jesus knew that's what will bring change. That is what will cause a person to be born again. If they believe in their heart... And they confess with their mouth that I am Lord. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a teacher. I'm the son of the living God. And I am Lord. Who do you say today that he is? Is he your savior? Is he your deliverer? Is he your healer? Is he your provider? Is he the restorer? broken relationships is he your prince of peace is he your king of kings and lord of lords is he the soon coming king hallelujah is he the everlasting God is he the mighty one is he your counselor is he your helper is he your intercessor is he the one who said I will never leave you nor forsake you who do you say that he is today who have you acknowledged him to be in your life what we say about him is what we have manifest in our life if you don't think that he's a healer guess what you're going to be walking in sin
promise. If you don't think that he promised to meet all of your needs, guess what? You're going to be on your own and up to you to figure out how to meet your needs. But if you say, I acknowledge him as my all in all, he's all that I need. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hallelujah. Then that is who he will be to us. What do you say about him? And pastor gave me a little nugget at the end of the second service. Who do you say that he is? And then who do you say that you are in him? The book of Hebrews chapter 13 says, because he has said, then I can say, because I have said, he is my Lord. Then I can also say, I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. I'm not who I used to be. I may not even be completely who I'm going to be in him, but I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my God. He is my help. He is my strong tower. He's the one that's making me to be what I ought to be. It's in him that I live and move and have my being. I will say of the Lord that I am his joint heir. I've been raised up and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. All principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. I will say, because I know who he is, I will say I am more than a conqueror. I will declare it boldly. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Woo! Who do you say that the son of man is? Jesus knew exactly who he was and what he came to do. The writer of the book of Luke, he dealt with his natural entrance, which we need to know about. He gives us all the details of the angel appearing to Mary and the shepherds and all of that. But if you will notice in the book of John, John, the apostle, He doesn't even deal with anything about his natural birth. He goes right to the fact of what was happening spiritually. Jesus from day one, this is who he was. John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and full of truth. I find it interesting that John had the revelation what actually happened when Jesus entered this earth. He didn't see him as a baby. He saw him as taking on the form of a man so that he would have legal right 
to come into the earth. But what he saw was Jesus being wrapped, the word and the promises of God wrapped around that flesh. He saw Jesus as the word of God manifest. That's who Jesus really is. He's the promise of the father. He is the word manifest unto you and me. His word will never fail. Do you have a promise that you're standing on today? Jesus, the word made flesh is here to meet your every need. If you're believing God for something, I encourage you to find a scripture that promises you what you are believing for the word never fails the word produces life when we take Jesus into our heart we're receiving the word made flesh that's why it's so important to meditate not only on who Jesus is. What child is this? But on what he came to do. He came to make things new. When Jesus was born, it was the beginning of the new covenant being fulfilled. But when he died and when he rose from the dead, he said when he was on the cross, it is finished. I came to do what I came, I fulfilled what I came to do. Have you let him into your heart today? Are you going to let him do what he came to do in every single area of your life? I know there are so many people here today that you're hurting in different areas. But I I can only say it in tongues. I submit to you. That this child that was born. And grew up. To be your Lord and Savior. Is the answer. To every single problem. That you may face. We're going to close today. By just meditating on this fact. That Jesus was a sweet little baby. But he grew up to be the son of the living God, the savior of the world, the word and the promise of God made flesh down through the ages. The Holy Spirit has been trying to reveal and is revealing this truth to mankind. I think the Holy Spirit knew that multitudes would get hung up on this little baby. In the manger. It's great that we're celebrating his birth. It's great that we celebrate birthdays. But when you're 30, 40, 50 years old, most of the time people are not talking about what a cute baby you were. (laughs) We grow up. Jesus grew up and he stepped into his destiny. He fulfilled his mission. He came to give life.